East Durham College. Business Bites. In business, for business. Do you live in County Durham or its surrounding areas? Are you fed up with your existing role at work? Or do you have a business that you need to future-proof? If you don't know where to start to access training for you, your colleagues or your business, East Durham College can point you in the right direction. Find out about our services, our staff, programmes and expertise in this podcast series. Make sure you press follow now to not miss an episode. In business, for business. East Durham College. Business Bites. East Durham College. Business Bites. In business, for business. Hello and welcome to the next episode of the East Durham College Business Bites podcast. My name's Sarah Jolly and I'm the Business Development Manager here at East Durham College. And today I'm joined by Don Atkinson. Don is the President of the Teesside Branch of the Weldon Institute and is also the Business Development Advisor for ACTNOW, who facilitate training for the engineering and construction industry. Thanks for joining us today, Don. Thanks for inviting us, Sarah. Is this your first podcast? It's all new. Good. Well, it's just a chat. Let's get down to it. For the people who are listening right now, Don, who don't know anything about you, do you want to tell our lovely listeners a bit about yourself? Right. Well, if I go back many, many years to when I left school at the grand old age of 16, I, I went to be an apprentice welder at Swan Hunters at Haven Hill in, in Billingham. And I was one of 200 apprentices in 1976, wow. long time ago. I don't believe ago. it. I can't believe it, yeah. Dan. So that was where I started out uh, as an apprentice welder. Uh, and then I sort of progressed to a, a time-serve welder. And then unfortunately, uh, shipbuilding died a bit of a death and we were sort of closed down. And I moved into a little bit of oil and gas to do planning engineering and I was working away from home. I had a, a new sort of son who was about 15 months old. And then an opportunity came to go into further education. So I applied for a job at Longlands College, which was the engineering college in Middlesbrough. And I actually got it, which I was quite surprised at. Uh, and I started there on the 1st of January, 1988. And I spent 17 years at Longlands College in Middlesbrough, training welders and various other disciplines from the engineering uh, industry. And in 2004, I decided it was time to move on. And I went to work for the Engineering Construction Industry Training Board. And I was their regional manager for the North East. And we used to deal with lots of engineering companies, great ones like the AMX in the past who no longer exist because they've been bought out. But lots of different companies throughout the North East. And it was to facilitate training for them. And the ECITB works on a levy system and we used to have to persuade companies to, to do training and obviously they got levy back as well. So that was that. And in 2016, they closed down our northeast office and I went to work for Jacobs, a worldwide organisation as their apprenticeship manager. And I spent two years there and then that job came to an end. And I went back into FE for a little while. And then my current job, or my job I'm in at the moment, started on the 1st of April 2020. Now, that was a real good Ooh. day. April Fool's Day in the middle of COVID. <laughs> so that was a fantastic time. So, yeah, so I work for a company called Act Now. We facilitate lots of training throughout the UK for lots of large, little companies. And we do bespoke training for the engineering construction industry. And uh, so, yeah, that's what, what I'm up to at the moment. And so you've had a busy time, Don. I have had a busy time, but <laughs> I, 
to be honest, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, when you get to a certain age and you look back, it's a bit like, I'd do that again. Yeah, well, that's not a bad thing, is it? Uh, so I've really enjoyed what I've done throughout the years, and uh, and that's good because, as I say to kids when they're leaving school, whatever you're going to do, make sure you enjoy it because it's a long time till you retire if you don't like what you're doing. <laughs> that's a really good <laughs> bit of advice. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean... Fancy starting a new job in, at the very beginning of that pandemic time, not great. But actually with the, the wealth of experience, the wealth of knowledge that you've got and the wealth of talent and contacts done, I know why you have been successful since starting your new job. And I'm sure they don't want you to retire anytime soon. No, no, well, it's it's one of them things that, you know, sometimes you just like what you do and you want to do it. it, it it's a bit like you want to sort of help the next generation because mm-hmm. to a certain extent when we left school, we were quite lucky because more or less every person who wanted an apprenticeship got an apprenticeship. Yeah. And unfortunately in 2023, it isn't like that because the large companies are not there anymore. But it's about you know, inspiring kids and, you know, developing them and qualifying them to obviously, because the biggest problem this country's probably got at the moment is the age profile and, yeah. and lots of people are going to disappear. Yep. And to be honest, at the moment, certainly in Teesside and the North East, there's probably more opportunities for work at the current than there's been probably for the last 40 years, certainly yeah. in the engineering industry. Yeah. So we, we need to inspire people for the for the next generation and I think that leads me on to my first question actually because you're right um you know we know that this sector is facing some quite major challenges and one of those things is about age Mm. um what is your take on that what can be done right now to try and help ease those challenges which are going to be probably going to be getting worse over the next couple of years as well I think what you've got to do, you've got to harness the experience that we've got in all these different industries, and that's industries right across the board. And if you can encourage sort of companies, or maybe the government need to encourage sort of funding for these people who act as mentors for the next generation, because one of the big things you normally get when, when small companies take on an apprentice is, well, I'm going to have to spend time training him, and that's going to slow me down and all this sort of thing. So if there's an opportunity, I say, for you know, for mentors to come into the industry who maybe only work part-time and to sort of you know, help with the FA and the colleges that do that, that might you know, basically pass on knowledge because you don't want that knowledge to disappear once yeah. these people retire and disappear off into the sunset, for want of a better word. Yeah, and, and obviously that's going to be a big thing. And like you say, it's not going to get any better. I don't no, think no. over the next few no. years, is it? No. So one of the things that I know, obviously, with your hat number two on, so not necessarily your Act Now hat, but your president of the Teesside Welding Institute hat on, you've got, um, again, in this particular area, a huge need for skills in this area. Yeah. And we know that this is a challenge very specifically in the welding space right now. But there isn't as many bodies out there. Because I would be, are we just thinking people are not looking at that as a career pathway? What do you think the reasons are around that? There is a big shortage of welders at the moment, and obviously, real skilled welders take at least three or four years to obviously get to that level. And we think about some of the major projects in this country at the moment. So we've got Hinkley C, which is the first nuclear power station. They want lots and lots of people, and then there's lots of projects up and down the country. Teesside being one of the the major hotspots, Humberside being other hotspots. And it's actually explaining to the kids that there is an opportunity here because they think, well, what does a welder do or what does a pipe fitter do type of thing. Uh, so lots and lots of things need to be done. And I think it's about inspiring the kids in the school. I mean, you know, sometimes careers in schools is 
hit and miss. Yeah, uh, and a lot of people, if the parents are in a certain industry, would sort of say to their children, you know, this is this is a way to go. So it's about inspiring kids. And uh, and sometimes when you go and talk to kids, you'll get the usual question: How much do you earn? Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, welders earn lots and lots of money. Yeah. You know, typically a welder at the moment would earn £75,000 a year, which is not bad for, for wow. doing something with your hands. And it's not, it has a little bit of academic to it, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be a brain surgeon, for want of a better word. You've got to be really good with your hands and be able to sort of get into difficult positions sometimes because most, most of the welding sometimes is in, in awkward positions. So, yeah. yeah, it's about inspiring the kids. And also we need to sort of get the instructors in, in, in the training establishments, uh, you know, to a, to a certain level because... That's again the biggest one of the biggest problems, I suppose, at the moment is is the salaries that attracts people, and people yeah. will go into industry rather than into an FE facility because they're going to earn twice as much. So more, it's yeah. it's about industry and FE working in partnership, and I think if if they do work and collaborate together, we shall succeed in the mm-hmm. end. I think that's one of the biggest um, buzzwords at the moment, isn't it? Collaboration. It is. Um, and, you know, we'd love to think that all of the industries that we work in, especially here at East Durham College, that we collaborate well with others in. Um, I think sometimes we think it's great. Sometimes the practice of it, not so much. Mm. And actually more of that could be done. And, and you do have to work hard at collaborating, I think, because everybody has to see the, the relevance to each individual business and what they're going to get out of that. Because actually, if they can see that, they tend to be more open to that word of collaboration don't they now i know obviously you've given us a great insight into um obviously your career pathway um and obviously our paths crossed when you worked at ecitb they did feels many years ago um but you know we've looked at you you've given us a highlight of your career which just shows what kind of twists and turns can be made in a career pathway from you going through your apprenticeship as a welder um and some of the companies that you've worked for which have been absolutely you know, world-class organisations, let's face it. How have you seen kind of, I guess, the, the skills needs change in your own career time to what it's like now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, what, probably when I first started off, computers didn't exist. And obviously computers came along. And I remember using the first computers when I was at Longlands College. Uh, and, and it was a bit like, oh, you know, this is all different. And then email came along mm-hmm. instead of sending memos. Uh, so obviously, a good old memorandum. <laughs> yeah, memorandums, pieces of paper, uh, uh, and we even used to use things in, in the past. And you won't remember this, Sarah, called the banda, like, the banda no, machine, where no. you it was before PowerPoint on acetates. So that's really, really old. So wow. I say you won't remember that. But yeah, so things have obviously changed. Digital is, you know, the way forward for a lot of things. Uh, and obviously, you know, the, the younger generations being brought up on, you know. Digital IT, computers, PlayStations, mobile phones, smartphones, all that sort of thing. So they are very much, and and there's lots of things nowadays which are done digitally, which make things smarter, and we we talk about smart sometimes. Uh, And even in the welding field, you know, we have high-tech machinery now, which will robotic welding and all that sort of thing, and I'm sure, you know, your your son works at Nissan, Mm -hmm. and I bet that place is full of robots and computers (laughs) and all the cars that come out that have been produced by the robots. So, yeah, digital has changed things, and it's all about, you know, being smarter, 
But at the end of the day, there's still some things we've got to do the old-fashioned way. So Yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? You're right, you know, technology has moved on significantly in that time. But it is still about people and people's skills of being good at, at doing what they do mm-hmm. with their own hands, like you've mentioned. With the best will in the world, we can't get a computer to do quite everything, can we? We can't, we no. can't. No. Is that, do you think that's a frustration for people that they can kind of... Or almost they, they know what skills and, and bodies they need, but actually getting that kind of transition from, like you say, working with schools, you know, is, is probably the best place to start, isn't it? Bringing people through that kind of, yeah, that journey almost. It is, and it, it's about giving them the, the, the people skills. Uh, and I always say to kids when they're at school, if you've got the right attitude, you'll succeed. I said, if you haven't got the right attitude, it's most difficult because we can teach you the skills, but if you yeah. haven't got the attitude. So attitude is very, very much a, a key skill for, for, for people leaving school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what the need. Some, sometimes it's about can you get out of bed, can yeah. you get to work on time and all that sort of good stuff. So it, it is the simple things, but, you know, they're the foundations. And, and as you said before, you, you're going to a job well, there's lots of different pathways once you've done the first part of your training and there's all sorts of avenues and it's yeah. quite funny because I've taught a lot of welders over the years and you see the fantastic jobs they've got now and I think, well, I should have had 10% of the, <laughs> of the wages, but never mind. Yeah, so really good to see young people succeed and, and where they get to as well. Yeah, and, and that must be really quite rewarding though, Don, as well, when you see that progression for those. It, it is rewarding and that's probably one of the best things about the, the training world, to see people that started off and see where they progress to. Uh, and that does give you a bit of a buzz and a bit of a kick to say, well, I taught him. Yeah. And all that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah, lots of people I come across, I taught you. Yeah. (laughs) That's no bad thing. Now, quite interesting, I know you've mentioned, obviously, some of the bigger players that used to be around that unfortunately aren't here in the North East. And we have got a lot of, obviously, still, you know, decent-sized companies that are very much investing in the apprenticeship workforce. They Mm -hmm. are using their levy, if they're a levy payer, Mm -hmm. to, you know, bring the new talent through into their businesses. Um, What do you think the frustrations are where there are businesses who are not accessing that? It's it's a bit like sometimes companies think, well, it, it's it's hard work to actually manipulate or work through all the different sort of stuff that's going on and which is the best way forward. And obviously the, the apprenticeship levy came in, I think it was 2016, and obviously there is a lot of levy that's been left in the, mm-hmm. the government coffers, for want of a better word. Yeah. And maybe it's time that if we can open that up to all sorts of training, not just for apprenticeship training. Mm-hmm. There has been quite a high take-up in uh, degree apprenticeships. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's been good to a certain extent. But obviously the grassroots apprenticeships, the level twos, the level threes, you know, the traditional craft trades, there maybe it hasn't been as much. And, you know, if, if the government had a, a bit of a rethink, maybe we could spend some of that money that's been, you know... In the pot, for want of a better word. Yeah, it's just sitting there, isn't it? And, it and it is just sitting there, yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting is, and I know obviously you've, you've got your own family and you've mentioned, obviously, thankfully, uh, your work and role here at ACT now allows you a bit of family time as well. Now, I know your son has had some some tests across his recent student career for placements and the likes of um, trying to get him sorted. You mean my oldest grandson, yes. not my son. Sorry, yes, it's your grandson. My grandson, yeah. It's your grandson. Yeah. So, yeah, he's 18 and he, and he spent a couple of years doing bricklaying training and it's been a bit of an issue and I keep getting some stories back saying that, you know, the smaller companies don't employ people 
Uh, a lot of the big sort of builders use subcontractors. So it, it is a lot of SMEs, and it's about, you know, if they can afford or sometimes it's back to the scenario of that when they're actually trying to train somebody, it slows the job down and, yeah. you know, lots of house building is built on sort of, you know, uh, cost work or, uh, you know, how many bricks you can lay in a day to get of it course. up. So it, it, it is difficult, but it's it, it's sometimes it's... Uh, the next generation's got to be given a chance, really. Yeah. Uh, it's a difficult one to work out. I mean, we, we had a scheme when I worked at ECITB, which was called the National Apprenticeship Scheme, and that was funded, and, and they were paid an allowance every week. Right. And if, you know, a particular company they were working for hadn't got any work, they could be sent to another company because their wage was covered. So mm-hmm. it's a bit like... Maybe we should bring something back in. The government maybe should bring something back in where it's a bit like a sharing apprenticeship. Yeah. Uh, and the cost of the apprentice is, is paid for, which might enable more SMEs to sort of to buy into it. apprenticeships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so, yeah. we know SMEs are, are kind of, I guess, time poor, aren't yeah, yeah. they? And ultimately, you know, like you say, some of the particular sectors, and, and you know, we're talking about bricklaying here, um, you know, they've had some tests in the last probably three or four years that they would never have dreamt that would have been facing in that time. No. Um, but also, I think the thing is when when we talk about work experiences, placements, we've done episodes on all of those things. We know fine well that there is still plenty of businesses who just haven't investigated how that would work for them. No, no, no. no. Um, and I think it's really frustrating for young people who are clearly keen, enthusiastic, want to be in that world of work and want to get the experience under the belt. Mm. And if they can't get it, it can be quite disheartening. Has your grandson felt like that? Yeah, he's, he's felt a little bit like that. Uh, luckily, he's been doing a part-time job, so that's given him some sort of experience. And he's been he's been doing some jobs for family, which has used the skills that he's mm. learned so far. It's just, you know, getting that sort of break Um and yeah. once they get the break, then obviously they learn the skills. And a lot of people in in the construction industry may choose to go self-employed in the mm. end, which a, a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just about building the foundation and getting that first step on the ladder. Mm-hmm. And once you've got the first step on the ladder, then sort of options generally come, you know, come your way, type of thing. Yeah. If you could give um, colleges and and you know colleges, universities, all that classically academic route, a bit of advice on how to, I guess, work together and collaborate more to raise the profile of career pathways, especially in this sector. What bit of advice would you give them? I think it's it's about working together. And I know, you know, a lot of colleges and even schools, some schools are very good at getting industry to come in and talk to them. Others are maybe not quite as good. And it's about getting the, the collaboration and working together and spreading the word about the different options uh, and and sometimes I shouldn't really say things like this, but school teachers have been to school, they've been to sixth form, they've been to university, they've gone back into into schools. They don't really understand what the real world's about. So mm-hmm. it's about getting industry experts to explain to the kids mm-hmm. uh, and give them the opportunities, you know, for for what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And as I said before. You know, the question they'll always ask is, well, how much do you earn and, you know, yeah. all that sort of thing. So we get all these people that come and talk to them that have gone through an apprenticeship and they've got a nice car, they've got a nice big house and they've got nice holidays and that normally sells it to them, you yeah. know, different yeah. things. And a lot a lot of engineering nowadays is not the old dirty engineering that people think it is. There's lots of white-collar opportunities and there's also lots of opportunities to sort of travel the world. 
if you go around the world in engineering, you will always find somebody from the northeast because the northeast <laughs> is very good at travelling. Yeah. So yeah, lots of lot, lots of opportunities from when when you start your first apprenticeship or your first job, and I say the world is your oyster. Yeah, and I think that's actually you know we've mentioned the word I think throughout this conversation like being you know inspiring that generation and I think the opportunities that that does throw up is absolutely inspiring because you absolutely can Mm -hmm. as you've said travel the world doing this kind of role um you know whichever kind of field you take within the engineering industry really um I think what's um you know we're going to go back to your welding roots here what's what does the future hold for you doing your job here in the northeast what is on the horizon what changes are being made what new initiatives are coming or what do you think needs to be done to increase those bodies coming into that kind of specific welding sector for you the biggest cost with any sort of welder training is materials yeah so you know consumables and, and all the equipment we've got lots of fantastic facilities in the northeast that have got the actual facility with the, with the equipment in, mm-hmm. but because welding is quite high on consumables, and you've got to buy steel, and you've got to buy consumables and welding rods and all that sort of thing, it is quite expensive. So, possibly some sort of support from industry, uh, whether government can support things. Mm-hmm. There's there's probably all sorts of different things, but basically, it's to get them to that level. You know, the basic level is okay for some industries, but we've got people like going back to the nuclear industry, working at Hinkley and, and, and Sizewell, which will come down the road later. If them wells are not 100% fully sort of um, integral uh, and they've passed all the non-destructive testing, you can imagine what's going to mm-hmm. happen if something fails. So it yeah. is critical that we are at that level. And that's why people in do, that's doing that sort of work is, is earning big money because yeah. it is a very dangerous situation and power is probably one of them things that's going to get bigger and bigger yep we all know about the transition to electric vehicles and everything's going to run off electric and we're going to have wind turbines and all that wonderful stuff Mm -hmm. but we are going to need more electricity so Mm -hmm. power stations and, and places where we make electricity are going to be very critical and welders are very critical to all of all all of that work so yeah it is a challenge. It's challenge, but there's opportunities. Let's go with always lots of opportunities. Well, it's been absolutely brilliant having you here, Don. So really appreciate you giving your time up to come in to talk to us. And if you would like more information on our engineering portfolio here at East Durham College, just drop us an email at business at eastdurham.ac.uk. And thanks for listening. And if you'd like our next episode straight to your feed, just give us a follow. East Durham College. Business Bites. In business, for business.